Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Well, it's a privilege uh, today to have uh, Pastor uh, Richard Botter with us, who, together with his wife Sue, leads C3 Church uh, Carlingford in, in Sydney, New South Wales. Uh, Pastor Richard has a background in engineering, uh, went into full-time ministry in 1990 um, under the leadership of Ian Jagelman, a mutual uh, friend. Uh, then in 1994, uh, they planted C3 Carlingford, started with about 70 people and now has over uh, 560 more people attending the church. He oversees um, a number of churches. He was also the regional overseer of the South Asia region for C3 Church Global. And uh, he also has an Italian heritage. Uh, his great, his grandfather, sorry, grandfather came out uh, to uh, Australia in the 1890s. So he's one of the very early uh, migrants. And um, I got in touch with him, I don't know, six, 12 months ago. Um, and we just started chatting on the phone. We became good friends over the phone. This was a phone friend. And um, uh, just developed a great relationship. I said, you know, I want you to come and minister at our church. And um, we spent some great time yesterday together, just gleaning off of him, picking his brains and asking lots and lots of questions. And, you know, one of the things I thank God for is I just really feel that God is bringing certain ministries into the church um, not just to minister, but to add value uh, to what God is doing in this particular uh, season, in this particular house. And I certainly believe that about Richard Bodder. He's passionate about the kingdom of God, loves church, loves the kingdom. And I know that he's going to minister a word that's going to uh, speak into our lives today. Would you give him a big, big, big warm welcome? Come on, as he comes to minister the word today. Amen. Thank you, brother. Ah, Pastor Joe, what an introduction. It's amazing when you don't recognise yourself in an introduction, <laughs> which is good. It is an extraordinary privilege for me to be with you today. Uh, thank you very much for your invitation, Pastor Joe and Lena. Um, just, it is always amazing when somebody is prepared to open up their church and their pulpit to uh, somebody, but even more amazing when uh, all we've done is we've been on the phone over COVID. It's that true, you know, you know, millionaire deal, you know, phone a friend kind of deal. And uh, but we have become friends. We, we, it's it's amazing what God does, even over a wire, to knit hearts together. Quite amazing. Quite amazing. And uh, yeah. I just, um, I, I thank God for you. Thank God for you. Uh, it's funny, I, I do speak in some churches around the place. Of course, I haven't spoken very much in other churches for a while because nobody can travel anywhere. Um, but God, as soon as Pastor Joe invited me, I, I, I felt like the Lord you know, said, yeah, go there. And I'm like, okay. Because I, I knew that it would be a little busy over the, this six months of the year. Because um, as Pastor Joe said, uh, my wife and I have the privilege of overseeing a number of churches here in Australia. And of course, I'm meant to visit them every year and haven't been anywhere for two years. So there you go. Um, I had the great privilege of having uh, Roberto um, translate for me this morning. He did a remarkable job. You have an extraordinary man of God. 
uh, in that man. And, uh, and Roberto, I, I, I sense in the spirit that the Lord has got a fresh chapter in your life, that he is going to bring some things to a close. He's going to speak grace and favor over your life. And you're going to find yourself in a place where you will look around and go, what on earth? How? Like God has done something fresh in you. There is something fresh and remarkable about the next season that God is going to do. And he's going to lift you and faith is going to be a key in it. You're going to pour love into people. So, um, which is great. Um, Pastor Joe, we sat last night over dinner and uh, we spoke a little bit about breakthrough faith. God is giving to you a fresh measure of breakthrough faith in your life. And uh, this next season is going to be a really clear season of mentoring, a very clear season of, of coaching younger generations, younger men and women into roles, and there's going to be release as a result. Uh, that sense of the, um, you know, like kind of when the, uh, when the Christians were first persecuted in Jerusalem and so it became a diaspora, I sense the Lord is going to use you to create a fresh diaspora of Churches and ministries, uh, not only in our nation, but the nations of the world. We talked about Italy and things like that. But the Lord is going to use you in this kind of manner. And there's going to be a grace and you're going to, you're going to cause faith to rise into men and women. Julio, this must be your beautiful wife. What is your name? Elisabetta. Elisabetta. Cool. It's good. It's good. It's good. Okay. Um, when I met you yesterday, it was very clear the anointing of the Lord is upon you and upon both of you. I feel like there's a couple of decisions, big decisions, important decisions you're going to make over the next little while. And they're going to be uh, decisions that God is going to lay in front of you and he is going to say, you pick. Okay? You pick. All right? And you're going to be desperate. God speak, God speak, God speak. And the Lord is going to say, you pick, okay? Because it's not about right and wrong, okay? The Lord is going to place his favour upon you and he will give you the faith for whichever it is that you are to do. Take wise counsel, always, all right? But as you together in unity choose, you're going to see the Lord bring flourishing to you and to your family. I don't know whether you've got kids. Have you got kids? Two beautiful kids. That's good. That's always a wonderful thing. Always a wonderful thing. <clears throat> ah. mm. I, um, I have some words for the worship team, but I know that they, they, they work so hard. Three services on a Sunday. They need just to... <sighs> in this service. You are so incredibly well served by them. I know you appreciate them. I know that. But I want to make sure that you're appreciating the guys up there too. Because you know what? These guys you get to see. Those guys you never get to see. And, uh, and we're definitely in their debt. The tech guys who make everything happen. The camera operators, the computer guys, the, you know, all of those things. So maybe in the next two, three weeks, you find them and you just go, you know what? You really make a big difference because they do. They really do. Yeah.
And it's, it's an interesting one where you're just waiting in the Lord and you're just going, okay, is there something else I'm meant to speak over somebody? So you just look. If you've never done this before, if you've never had a prophetic word for somebody, um, this is what God does for me. I just, in this kind of moment, I'm just here and I'm looking for kind of like a spotlight on somebody. That looks, sounds really weird. But it's just the way that God works with me. He'll do it differently for you. But just be aware of what the Lord is doing. And uh, never be in a rush to move on. Never be in a rush to move on. It's good. Okay. A number of years ago, I hiked what's known as the six-foot track in uh, just west of uh, Sydney in the Blue Mountains. It's a mountain range, part of the Great Dividing Range. And uh, I love my bushwalking. I really love bushwalking. It's one of my pastimes. Each one of us have those kinds of hobbies and pastimes that we do which fill our souls. Bushwalking is one of those for me. I love getting out in the Australian bush and just seeing what God has created. It fills my spirit with a sense of the wonder and the glory of God, the sense of this, the extraordinary strength and joy that I have. While you'll see on the screen behind me, this photo, it's a very old photo of what's known as Explorer's Tree, where, where Blacksland, Wentworth and Lawson, who were the first to explore from Sydney over the Great Dividing Range to find out where, how far Australia went in the other way, out west, was. And that tree marks just one of the sites uh, where, where they carved their name into the tree, like you do if you're an explorer. And it's the beginning of what's known as the six-foot track. And the six-foot track travels from, from that tree in Katoomba all the way down to Janolan Caves. If you've ever been to Janolan Caves, it's this extraordinary cave system of, of beautiful limestone caves with amazing features within those caves. Uh, my background is in mining engineering, so anything underground for me feels like home. I, that's weird, I know. That's okay. I'm allowed to be weird. Every one of us has got at least a little bit of weird. Maybe I've got a lot more than you. I don't know. But I, I, I just love that particular walk. It's a walk of three days and two nights, and so you've got to... You know, you, Normally carry packs and all of those kinds of things. My, my son, I've got three children, uh, two daughters and a son. My son is 25 and uh, he works in the finance industry. He's in an insurance company and so he's got Monday off because I believe it's bank holiday. I don't follow those things but I believe that's what it is. So he's actually bushwalking this weekend. He caught it from me. Not this particular walk, but it's another three-day, two-night walk. And anyway, so we're walking this track. And the first day is this beautiful day where you come from the explorer's tree down into the valley below. You walk through rainforest and along uh, bush tracks and along a fire trail at one point as well and past uh, through the Megalong Valley all the way down into what's known as the Cox's River Camping Ground. It's a phenomenal day. It's an extraordinarily beautiful day. It's downhill and it's flat and it's the kind of bushwalking you like to do. And you walk across the suspension bridge that's there on the screen behind me as part of that walk. And you just, it's one of those days of glorious bushwalking. The end of the day, you're tired and you know, set up camp and everything's good. This particular walk we did with about 40 people from church, most of them young people, so that we could just help them experience the Australian bush and understand what it's like to actually walk, not with a full pack on your back, just with a day pack. It was gentle walking. It was the right kind of walking for me. 
And as we're walking on that first day, we're all having those conversations, those conversations that you have with people that you never get to have unless you've got a lot of time. And you chat about deep things and little things, one way or another. End of the day, you feel really good about life. Sat down around the campfire and just enjoyed ourselves. It was a great day. Well, day two is a little different. Up out of day two, because you're right there next to the river, and the only way out is up. And this is a fairly, well, it's in the Blue Mountains area, so you get the idea that it's going to be a little bit hilly. Well, some of them are a little bit more challenging than just hills. And the first, the first climb out is not too bad. You get to the top of the hill in about an hour and a half. But it's all up to get to the top, and then guess what? you'd go down again. That's never fun. Let me assure you, when you're walking uphill, you want to just get to the point where it's uphill and stop, and then maybe a little bit more uphill or flat, but not downhill, knowing that you're going to go up again. And you go down over this, this what's called a saddle, and you walk into the next valley, and it's beautiful. It's just stunningly glorious, totally gorgeous. And then you start this climb. And this climb goes for four hours. It is a grind like you don't want to know. And no matter how fit you are, you know that you're just going to do that trudge walk. Where your head is down, you're not looking up at the horizon and all those wonderful things that you do when you're walking downhill. Every now and then you lift your head only to be disappointed again that there's more of that uphill thing to do. It's going to be harder in front of you and it was so so painful and at times demoralizing because you realize that you could not see the end of this uphill climb you're walking up and up and up and up and up and up and up you don't get a real sense of progress you know you've walked now for a series of hours but you don't sense you're getting any real progress in what you're doing I couldn't get over how much of a struggle that particular day was for me. And it played on my mind as I, you know, I'm like, we'll get to that campsite. And you know you will. But I actually got to the next camping ground about 90 minutes, an hour and a half after I had estimated I would get there at the beginning of the day. It was so much more difficult to climb that day for me. And I like my bushwalking. I know my bushwalking. I know the pace at which I walk. So to have 90 minutes added onto your day was really demoralizing for me. And whilst I had a sense that I was getting somewhere, I really didn't feel like I was getting anywhere at all. We all want to progress in life. We all want to have a sense of achievement and accomplishment. But do you sense this morning any forward progress or is it more that demoralizing trudge where you just put a foot after a foot after a foot and you pray and you hope that yes somehow you will get there but not a real sense of forward progress are you making better decisions than before COVID are you handling the emotional ups and downs with a greater sense of peace greater sense of contentment, 
greater sense of the Lord being present with you, of well-being in your life? Are you on top of your studies? Are you doing well in your marriage? What about your parenting? Your job? Your life? Your faith? Where is God in it all? Is he close or is he distant? And if you read the Psalms, you realize there's both so much in the experience of the psalmists. Do you sense a vibrancy, a vibrancy in your relationship with him? Or are you just going through the motions? Because we can all do that, pastors included. Well, this pastor included. Are you being pushed from pillar to post by others and other priorities that people are giving to you? Or are you hearing God's voice, engaging with God's word, following him and making real progress in life and in faith? There are times when the truth be told, we're simply going through the motions. It's true of us. We come around to a similar problem month after month or year after year without any discernible real progress in our lives. There can be an illusion of growth, but really we're just going around and around and around and around and around in a thing called the river eddy. You've been there. I've been there. The people of Israel spent time in that kind of place too. They went around the mountain and around the mountain and around the wilderness and around the wilderness. It's not uncommon, but it isn't God's desire. And then there are those times where it's not that you're going around and around and there's that sense of movement, but not real progress. Then there are those times when we're snagged unable to move forward, feeling like we're beginning to drown, caught in a snag like on the side of a river where a stick has just stopped us and caught us from behind and we can't somehow unsnag ourselves. And what happens is the river level may change. You may start to become overwhelmed. Maybe a besetting sin, an unshakable attitude, a broken heart, a broken mind. There are times we're snagged and our growth is stunted and we're anchored down like a river snag. There are always obstacles in our paths. Don't worry about that. The enemy makes sure of that for you and for me and for every person around the planet. There's always obstacles in our paths, challenges in life where we would love to know victory, uh, where, where everything would be really nice if it was all easy, but you never know victory unless you actually overcome the challenge. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 15, Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Or another version of God's word says, let your forward progress be evident to all. I love the fact that he writes this to Pastor Joe, right? 
Because what's happening is Paul is writing to Timothy, the leader of the church in Ephesus. It is for all of us. I'm not going to let you off the hook. (laughs) It's not just for Pastor Joe, but it is for all of us. But it is for him that everyone see that he is growing in his faith as well. Just as he should be seeing in you and you should be seeing in one another that you are growing, that there is forward progress. Paul's idea in this forward progress, he uses the the Greek word for a military advance, that taking of the hill kind of idea. It's powerful and it's real and it's meant to be the way our faith life is experienced. Paul says, be diligent, take pains, give your complete attention to or cultivate. He's saying that there are things that enable and enhance and empower and drive and direct our forward progress that we need to work on them, to work at them. And spiritual growth doesn't just happen automatically. That's what Paul is saying. Some of us just think that if we put ourselves in this environment, Sunday by Sunday, we'll somehow miraculously grow. And let me assure you, this is a great environment. The sense of God's presence amongst you is phenomenal. But just by being here, you're not going to grow very much. You have to do some things. Be diligent. It suggests Paul is making the very clear application to Timothy. Be diligent. There's something that we can do, something to impact our forward progress to grow. That spiritual growth needs to be real. There needs to be a sense of zeal and focus around our spiritual growth. So today I want to help us get to grips with some of what the Apostle Paul says will help our walk in Christ go to being forward to see real growth Paul gives us a clue he gives us a clue he says in these matters be diligent in these matters so that that that, that if we pay attention to those matters that Paul is identifying here we would expect to see some growth in our lives verse 11 is the beginning of Paul's thoughts in 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 chapter 4 of 1st Timothy let me read it to you don't let anyone look down on you because of your you are young But set an example for the believers in speech and in conduct, in love and in faith and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them. Because if you do, You will save both yourself and your hearers. What an amazing promise. What an extraordinary thought. Your spiritual growth and development will cause the salvation of people who surround you. In your families, beyond your families, in your colleagues, in your friendship networks, in your netball teams or your your AFL teams, wherever it is that you are positioned, when people watch you grow in your faith, it will cause a slipstream in which they can follow you and come to faith themselves. Don't let people look down on you because of your youthfulness. Set an example in speech. Set an example in conduct. Set an example in love. Set an example in faith. Set an example in purity. Engage with the Bible and express your gifts in ministry. I don't have a lot of time, but I'm going to hit each one of those ones quickly. Don't let anyone look down upon you because of your youth. Or... 
in the day of Paul and Timothy, age mattered. You were regarded as wise simply because you were old. Now one trusts that wisdom comes with age, but we all know that it may not and that it has to be developed. Paul is saying grow, develop, pay attention to yourself. And when someone is disrespectful because of your youth, show that your youth is no impediment to your wisdom, your teachableness and your leadership. In fact, don't let your youthfulness be a problem. Don't let people look down on you for anything. Timothy could have been looked down upon because he was young. But how common is it that we're looked down upon because of the lack of education or too much education, depending upon the context you're in, or because of your gender, or because of your disability, or because of your wealth or your poverty or whatever? Where, where is it that people may look down upon you? Don't let people look down upon you, Paul is saying. And for Timothy, it was about his youthfulness. But for every one of us, it's very common that someone somewhere is looking down on us one way or another. And we need to have a faith which is robust enough such that that is not the outcome of our faith life with that person. Don't let someone determine your worth because of your youth, your gender, your education, your ability, your money, whatever. Don't let others do that to you. Show how valuable you are even though you may be young or you have some kind of disability of one sort or another. Everyone on planet Earth has been placed here by Christ. Everyone has purpose. Everyone has a place that God has for you. And set an example in speech. Now your words encouraging, life-giving. Do they build? Do you use your words with wisdom carefully and abundantly in praise and encouragement even when life is tough do you guard your tongue and speak well of others our words have extraordinary power I know that you know that I know that you experience that and you understand that James speaks to us about our words he gives us advice like be quick to hear slow to speak and slow to anger in James 1 verse 19, if anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue, but he deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. In James 1 verse 26, James also says that the power of our words bring blessing or cursing in James 3. Oh, where do you pay attention to your words? Paul instructs us to use our words in this manner in Colossians 4 verse 6. Be gracious to your, in your speech. The goal is to bring out the best in others in a conversation. Not put them down. Not cut them out. Ah, the way that we speak in your speech, be diligent. And be diligent to set an example. Paul then moves on to conduct, better understood as behavior, simply the way we live. He is making sure that our growth involves us living better, behaving better day by day and month by month. Have an upward path in your behavior. Things you used to let slide, let slide no longer. The innuendo in your words, the grumbling and mumbling attitudes that you hold, the disrespect for authority, 
the way you fill in your tax return. Do better. Do better. Year on year on year. May your conduct show your growth, Paul is saying to Timothy. Don't simply take the view that I'm saved and I'll get into heaven by the skin of my teeth. Holiness matters. Godliness matters. Set an example in love, Paul says. Grow in your self-sacrificing love, that biblical agape love that best shows who Jesus is to others. Grow in your ability to love the unlovable. To put others first. How do you do this? Put yourself with people who will never be able to repay you for your kindness, for your love. Love them, serve them, honor them. They may be spending time with the elderly. It may be just spending time with one of your neighbors next door or across the street or something like that who has never got an opportunity to repay you for your kindness and your love, just reach out in love toward them. Maybe it's to look after the kids of somebody down the street or somebody from school or a colleague at work who's desperate to have a night out with their husband or their wife and, but they don't have a babysitter. And you think, oh, it's Friday night and I'm totally shattered and I've had a week that's like, uh, I, I could babysit for you if you like. And they go, what? What? You? Like, not you, but why you? Why would you offer? Why would you offer? Because you love. Feed the hungry, clothe someone. Listen to someone at work who's doing it incredibly tough. Listen long enough for them to experience not just your kindness, but God's love. Set an example in faith, Paul says. Grow in the assurance of your faith. The sense of conviction about who God is, what Jesus has done and why it's so important. Let that arise. The Bible College that starts this Tuesday night. If you haven't signed up, it's a good opportunity for you to cause that kind of growth. And if you've never done something like that, let me help you. It is so worth doing because it builds a strong foundation, a deep foundation. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Take on exploits for Christ. Take on exploits for Christ and see them through by faith. Let the challenges that life brings be met by faith in your heart, not fear. Remind yourself that God is in control. Set an example in purity, Paul says. Paul adds this purity. He's already spoken about conduct, but he puts an exclamation mark in behind it. That sense of purity. It's important. The way we conduct ourselves with purity matters. How your thoughts? Do you lust after others? Take a longer look? Watch porn? What do you tolerate? Christians aren't sexual prudes. We know that. The whole book of the Bible, the Song of Solomon, I mean, seriously, that book, there's a lot in that that's just like, whoa, just a second. Christians are sexually free in the context of Christian marriage. The place God designed for sexual expression and intimacy. Don't expect to get away with things. God sees. God sees. 
And purity matters. And we're meant to see growth in purity. For growth to be evident to all, it includes our lifestyle, our character, our purity. Paul calls us to ensure we're an example that others can watch and learn from uh, learn from us in these areas of our lives. And then he adds a few things, kind of bang, 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 bang. Engage with the Word. He says, don't give up the public reading of Scripture. Got to remember, what does that mean? Because we've all got Bibles, multiple of them, both on our phones and in our bookshelves and all the rest of it. Then there was one in the synagogue or the temple or the gathering place. And so the public reading of Scripture had to be done. Now we get to do it day in, day out for ourselves. Meditate on God's promises. Memorize His Word. Let the Word of Christ live richly, flooding you with all wisdom. Apply the Scripture as you teach and instruct one another, as Colossians 3.16 reminds us. Deploy your gifts. Growth comes from being who God has wired you to be, serving in the church. He's called you to serve by using your gifts and skills through your God-given personality. Don't neglect serving opportunities. They cause you to grow to have forward progress. For Timothy, it was preaching and and teaching. What is it for you? Building on your gifts, your strengths will cause growth in your life, forward progress toward God. Don't let people look down on you. Be an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity, in reading the word, in deploying your gifts. These things contribute to you growing. But today, some of you may need some help. Some of you may feel like you're in that eddy. You're just going around and around and around and around. And whilst there's movement, there's not forward progress. For some of you, you may feel like you're caught with the snag. But what's happened is you just feel like no matter what you're trying You just cannot get any forward progress at all. You've done what you can. You've fasted, you've prayed, you've spoken to a couple of... You need something broken off your life that somehow the enemy has placed upon you so that you can move forward. Remember that the majority of Jesus' ministry here on planet Earth was to teach and preach, to heal the sick and to break the power of enemy off people's lives. They were the three things that Jesus did while he was on planet Earth. And there are times where we just get snagged, where something is holding us back. Maybe it's a past relationship, a besetting sin, an attitude of destruction of one sort or another that has just anchored you into a past event. Let it be broken off you. Because I tell you, now is the day of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. And today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Respond with faith to Jesus. Call on him to save you, to free you from guilt, from shame, to experience the breakthrough that he has for you, to bring release and forward progress to your life in Christ. Let us pray. Father God, I want to thank you that you don't want us just to sit still. You want us to grow. And that that growth will cause others to see your light and your life for your love, to experience your love. And so they too will come into your kingdom. Father, what a great 
great opportunity and responsibility for us to ensure that we are growing, that we are being diligent in these things. And may it be that we experience your love as a result and we observe the expansion of your kingdom. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Give me a hand. Yep. Just, just stand with me. Uh, last week we had conference. Conferences are always great. You kind of get a, uh, an experience on the mountaintop, you know, and kind of want to be like, Peter, let's build a couple of tents here and stay up here. The reality is we don't stay up there. Um, we, we move on. Um, and it's interesting because we want to have more of those kind of experiences in our lives we need to do what's being preached on today we need to be be diligent in certain things grow our faith grow in our knowledge of the word of god you know i just think that one of the most important things that we're going to need in in this generation in the times we're living in is a biblical worldview it's no good just having those mountaintop experiences if we don't have a biblical worldview. In fact, those mountaintop experiences can, can, can affect us negatively if, if we don't know the Word of God. It's more than ever what we need. I love messages that move me. I love conferences that move me. I love feeling, feeling, feeling. But you know, if we don't do the work, as Pastor said, building the faith, the foundation that we can build on, then our lives can crumble. And so, you know, Life Ministry School is not just, it's not just we need another program. That's not what this is about at all. We just don't need more programs. What we need is God's Word. And I want to encourage you. We're going straight into the deep end. We're not going to go into the shallow end, pick a subject that, you know, it's going to make me feel good. Basic theology. There you go. That's, that's pretty good. Spinach, you know, veggies, that's what we're doing, all right? Straight off the bat. And I want to encourage you. I know it's sacrifice. We're busy. I know all of those things. I know. I know. But we're going to have eternity to reflect on the things we could have done and might have done and should have done on a Tuesday night studying the Word. So I want to encourage you. Let's carve out some time in our schedule and be a part of this program. It's going to, it's going to help you grow in an amazing way. I love, I love those words. The pastor said, be diligent, says Paul. Be diligent in these things. You know, do the work required and you reap the benefits thereof. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. I thank you, Father, that you're a God that is interested in our well-being, our growth, moving forward. That's your will for all of us. So I just pray as we reflect on the Word today, God, would you speak a word into our hearts, Lord God, what are the things we need to do? What are the things that need to change? What are the things we need to do to make that a reality in our hearts and lives? That's our prayer, Lord God. So speak to us, Father God, we pray. That we may honour you and be everything that you have called us to be in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Just, just sit with the presence of God just a second. Thank you, Father God. Let's do some business with God. Just as you reflect on the Word, 
You know, what, what, what is it that needs to shift in your life? What is it that needs to change? There were a lot of words was, that were spoken, but there are some words that actually speak to us individually. Just, just begin to think about that and say, oh, what needs to change? What do I need to do with the word today? In the name of Jesus, Father, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just love you, Jesus. Just love you, Jesus. Just love you, Jesus. Just worship you, God. Just worship you, Lord. Just glorify you, God. Just thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You're an amazing God. You're an amazing God. And we just praise you, God. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, God bless you. You've been an amazing congregation. And it's been so good to worship together and hear the word. Uh, Be blessed as you go. Don't forget prayer meeting uh, this Wednesday night. Have a blessed week in Jesus' name. Amen.